This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Pianist Lara Downs has put out a new recording called Love at Last. That title comes from a very special poem, which she'll share with you in just a little bit. The recording features music of healing and hope, and she says it comes out of the darkest period of the global pandemic. It's a time that wasn't necessarily unprecedented, and she explains why as we listen to this music and our conversation about Love at Last with Lara Downs. This week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media, I'm Julia Macher. Laura, I'm just going to dive into your new recording and uh, talk about it because I think there's a lot to share. So your new recording, Love at Last, has just been released, and it evolved out of events of the world that were weighing heavy on you at the time. Can you talk about how this music helped to provide hope and healing for you? A lot of the music came together for me during the really darkest days of the pandemic when there was just, you know, so much in the way of isolation and fear and grief and loss and an awareness that even though we kept talking about unprecedented times, that that really wasn't accurate. You know, the the world had been through so many dark times in the past. And that's something that I've always known. You know, when we are immersed as classical musicians in a tradition that goes back so many centuries and we know the stories behind the music, then we're we're very familiar with, you know, the cycles of war and plague and all of the tragedies that humans endure. So I started thinking about the ways that music could support a feeling of Mm, connection across time and place and understanding of history and, you know, just this continuum, this past, present, future continuum. And then I started amassing music and it was a, a really beautiful process. You're demonstrating cycles of history through this music. Can you give me some examples of how you're doing that? Well, the oldest piece on the album is by Bach. It's familiar to a lot of listeners, his Sleepers Awake, which is based on a hymn from the turn of the 17th century that was written by the pastor of a small German town during a time of pandemic. And his hymn was urging the people of the town to come together and light their lamps at midnight to create a communal light of hope and and community. And so, you know, that, of course, spoke to me so profoundly during our own time of pandemic. There's also another piece on the record by a young composer named Dobrinka Tabakova, Bulgarian-British composer. But she is setting another prayer from the 14th century by some Portuguese nuns who wrote a, a, a prayer for pestilence, you know, to keep away the plague. We've, so this, this theme of, um, of disaster and emergence from disaster and the lighting of lamps and the, you know, the, the gathering of hope and faith 
in order to emerge from disaster. I think that's at the core of this record. Love It Last, that's the title of this recording. Why is that the right title for this collection of music? It comes from a poem. It comes from a poem by a writer from the 19th century, Shaul Chernikovsky. He was a Ukrainian poet. He later emigrated to Jerusalem. And I found this poem through a slightly twisty path. The poem had been set by a singer-songwriter named Debbie Friedman in the 70s. And it was a song that we used to sing in Temple when I was a kid. But when I traced it back, I found its origins with Chernikovsky. And he's writing this um, when he's a young man, the, the very turn of the century in Odessa. But of course, you know, he's about to witness so many terrible things, the anti-Semitism that's going to ravage his community in Ukraine, two world wars. And this poem of his starts like this. Laugh at all my dreams, my dearest. Laugh and I repeat anew that I still believe in man as I still believe in you. Let the times be dark with hatred. I believe in years beyond. Love at last shall bind all people in an everlasting bond. This idea that the times may be very dark, you know, and that it's our human connection, it's our empathy and compassion and kindness and just community that we can form that that holds us together in in love and hope and faith. Um, yeah, that kind of says everything that I wanted to say with this record. It also might help talk a little bit about the composers who are on this recording, because you said in many cases, they're friends of yours, and their music became a lifeline for you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think about my birthday in 2021, and the music, two pieces of music that came to me that day, sent by friends who were just thinking of me, and, you know, trying to offer a little bit of love and comfort. And I think that during those days when we were so isolated, that was also a time when I found really profound connection with my musician friends. Things were possible that hadn't been possible in normal times, you know, with all, once all the running around stopped and once we were quiet and had some space and time to to focus on on what was important and to focus on collaboration and and also kind of to need, to really need. I found myself really needing collaboration and communication with my colleagues. And so the music just sort of took a different form. So yes, a lot of music came to me during that time, was was offered to me um, and meant so much. And then I think I was also looking for music that would speak to my frame of mind and my frame of being music that was, again, um, somehow speaking to the long road of history and to just the shared humanity that, you know, exists across, across time and place. The piece that opens this recording is titled Dawn by the Czech composer Yaroslav Jezek. And it's a work that you performed at the Czech Embassy in Washington, D.C. a few years ago. And most of your audience was in tears. Can you talk about this song and why it has such an impact on those who hear it? This 
The song was played on the radio in Prague every day during the Nazi occupation. And it was kind of a secret message of resistance. Um, you know, this, this reminder to the Czech people that there would be another dawn, there would be a brighter day. And I didn't know that history when I played it at the Czech embassy in this room full of people who had this visceral connection with that music, you know, handed down from their parents and grandparents. And the emotion around it just was staggering. It's a beautiful tune, and I wanted to open with it because I think it's, um, you know, yeah, a, a window into the ways that music can speak so clearly when words are not possible. There's a piece by Afghan composer Milad Yusufi, who's also a poet, a singer, a painter, a calligrapher. It's called Healer. And in this piece, he reflects his own experiences of turning to music during difficult times. Can you talk more about that, please? There are a lot of composers on this album who have lived themselves and are living themselves through times of conflict and chaos and, you know, real loss and tragedy. Um, a lot of composers who have been forced into exile and um, have, have lost contact with their families and loved ones. Um, the piece by Milad just, uh, you know, it, it translates his own experience. And I think what was interesting to me is that all of this music by composers, again, whose you know, lives have been so challenged by global events, really always there's this expression of hope and of the, the potential for healing and the potential for reinvention and you know, rebirth and rebuilding your life in a new place or in a new, in a new situation. Powerful music and powerful stories, and I, this music has introduced me to so many composers whose, whose lives and music are so inspiring to me. Well, and his story is unique in that he was born during the Civil War in Afghanistan, and the Taliban rulers had banned music. So he was mm -hmm. actually painting piano keys on paper and pretending to play and imagining what the yeah. music sounded like. I mean, that's that's really kind of unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine doing something like that? I mean, I can because, you know, I think that what we've what we're all realizing is how much for us as musicians... Music is the lifeline, and I haven't had to turn to it, you know, in such extreme ways. But from the time that I was small, you know, one of my teachers when I was very young um, was a wonderful pianist named Adolf Baller, who had been a survivor of the concentration camps. And I learned from him and from other survivors who, whom I met when I was really just a, a child, how much music can be the one thing that you have when everything else 
is taken away. It can be the one thing that you take with you when you have to, you know, flee halfway around the world. And I think that that is something really intuitive and and inherent to a person who, for whom music is, you know, the most powerful language. So I, I don't, I don't know how to say this. It sounds strange, but I love knowing that no matter what could happen to me that my music would be there in in one form or another I know it would be there and I know I would manage to you know keep it that story about Milad it's incredible and I think it's you know just an illustration of the well the tenacity and the resilience that human beings have Uh, there's so many pieces to talk about. You have 22 on this recording, so I'm just going to... You know what I'm going to... There were a couple of pieces written during the pandemic. One is called Meeting Point by Calliope Supaki of Greece. And mm-hmm. Calliope made this interesting point in that the whole idea of the piece is that there's no distance between us when it comes to music. And you were kind of just saying that in a way. Mm-hmm. I think that there are things that we say about music. And I'm not sure that we always think them through. You know, music is a universal language. Music can connect us. Music has the power to... These are things that I've heard and sort of said my whole life, and I'm not sure that it was until this time, these last few years of so much personal and global challenge that I really understood how true they are. You know, that even... When we were all confined to home and I was playing concerts, you know, for a, a camera and then people were watching them on their own little screens all around the world. There was this powerful sense of connection through that music. And the conversations that I've had about the meaning, the yeah, the meaning and the sort of the communal space that music has occupied for so many people. On the, I will never take any of that for granted again. I will. It will really stay with me for the rest of my life and and in all of my work. And I think that's what Kalevi was thinking, was feeling as well. You know that we felt so so powerless. You know, and and at the same time we were assuming a huge amount of power as communicators as. Um, yeah, creators of this space that could invite and and console and mm, translate, I think, our, our own time. You talked a little bit about the Dobrinka Tabakova piece, Simple Prayer for Complex Times, and how it's based on a, a prayer that came out of uh, the plagues that ravaged Europe centuries ago. The piece, though... Um, is very hypnotic and kind of comforting. Do you think that, I guess as a prayer, that would be its purpose? How do you feel when you play it? I do, yeah. I mean, it's a meditation, I think. And, well, it's funny. It's I don't know that one would necessarily, you know, connect the sound of this piece to the 14th century to um, medieval Europe, but it is that kind. Of, you can sort of imagine the the quiet of 
a monastery, right? And that, and that tradition of repetition, right? You, you say something often enough, you believe in it enough, and it will come true, right? This phrase that just repeats over and over again, and it pulls you in and invites you to almost to change your breathing. Of the of the rhythm and the and the meaning. Lara, you created an arrangement of a piece by Margaret Bonds. It's the Credo Number Two. Can you talk a little bit about this piece and how it is still? relevant today? Hmm. Maybe more than ever. So, you know, Margaret Bonds is a composer who's really important to me, um, Black American composer who was writing in the 1930s through the 1960s um, from Chicago. And she wrote her credo inspired by the text from W.E.B. Du Bois, his prose poem that he wrote in 1904. You know, he's writing... Um, in Jim Crow America about his vision for a country that fulfills the promise of racial equality and justice. And it's, it's a profound piece. It's a profound piece of writing that, you know, is, is still so relevant today. So in the 1960s, Bonds took that text and wrote a large piece for baritone soloist and chorus and orchestra, also called the Credo, um, bringing his words to life in the middle of the civil rights movement. And then for complicated reasons, her piece was never published. It's just been published last year. And I took this small piece of the, it's from the second movement, and it's her original piano scoring before she did the orchestration. Just thinking about all of the cycles of history that are, you know, illustrated, sort of encompassed in this piece of music, all of the generations who have fought for this American promise. And, you know, and we continue to do that. And we're certainly living in times that are really complicated and challenged when it comes to race and to um, solving you know, some, some really big problems. So I've been playing the piece and, and actually that piece was the inspiration for an initiative that I've launched. It's a national call to young people to create a credo for our own time, to just submit little statements that start with the words, I believe, and to kind of harness our individual vision into intention and action. And again, you know, this these small things that we can do every day as individuals and as communities to um, to realize the hope that keeps us going. It's been a beautiful process to really be part of um, a reinvention, I guess, you know, of this document that continues to evolve as time goes by.
It's interesting that you're finding a way to get young people involved because I know um, sometimes it's hard for young people to see the hope uh, in a challenging world. And I know for my own adult kids, there was a period where they're like, well, we're never bringing kids into this world, you know? And I'm like, you know, every generation has said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here we are, and here you are. And I almost feel like that's sort of what's happening throughout this recording. Yeah, you're so right. I'm, you know, I'm a parent too, and I have been thinking so much about, um, well, the very brief time that we are each on this planet, you know, the the very small perspective that we're able to have. When I play these pieces from many centuries ago, you know, this piece by Bach that's based on a, a time of plague in a small little town in Europe four centuries ago. As a citizen of that town, what did you know except life in that town? You know, so life, so that town was the world and everything in the world was terrible because all of your family and friends were getting sick and dying. And I feel like our world is so large and so small at the same time. You know, we know everything. We're, we're so aware of all of the hardship and, and the, the struggle and we see it all day long on our, on our phones, on our little screens. And that can be very overwhelming. But I think to to keep hope alive, to know that every little tiny thing that every one of us does every day is that's all there is. There isn't anything but that. It's just a world made of individual people doing their individual things, making their individual decisions. And that's so important, I think, you know, as for us as human beings, as parents, as mentors, um, to keep that that knowledge really close. And that is what I see with this project. Young people and when I say young people, you know, I'm talking really sometimes about young kids and you ask them, you know, what do you believe in? Well, I believe in, um, I believe that we should, we should stop pollution. That seems pretty massive and, you know, and uh, impossible at this point that we should fix the climate and we should fix the environment. Um, but then, well, then we talk it through. So what could you do today, you know, to try to get that going? You could pick up some trash on your way home from school. You know, all the little things, just like do them. Do what you can do. There's a piece on this recording called Tree of Life, and the composer is Ivan Enrique Rodriguez. And something quite serendipitous occurred during the recording of this piece. Can you tell us about um, sort of the uh, added chorus that you had there? <laughs> it was a beautiful piece, and Ivan is a new friend. We met last summer at a festival and just discovered a world of connection. So he wrote this piece for me. And um, the story behind the piece, it's kind of a metaphor of a tree, uh, sort of a tree as as a life. Uh, we were talking, we were sitting in this coffee shop last summer and talking about all the people that come through your life and how some of them become the roots of your tree and some of them are the branches of your tree and some of them are the leaves that may drop off, but you know they've, they've been important anyway. So I'm in the studio, and when I say the studio, I, I was in up, upstate New York I'm playing this piece, recording the piece, and I got to the last chord, which is a beautiful, quiet chord, and all of a sudden, outside the window, a bird um, uh, landed on a tree right outside the window and, you know, contributed sort of a loud, <laughs> a loud bird song.
so I said, I said, oh, I guess I've got to do that again. And my producer said, no, no, that was beautiful. Let's leave it in. And, you know, so in the midst of this of this recording session where I'm trying to express all of these like global ideas about human beings and the earth that we live on and our history here and our the the ways that we treat our earth and each other here comes this bird and lends his own voice to that story taking care of our earth is so important for the birds and for the next generation and As we were just talking about, um, the future really is in the hands of the children. And that's pretty much the message behind a piece called Earth on this recording by Karen Tanaka. Can you tell me more about that piece? Because it really stands out. I was just listening to the recording, you know, kind of just putting it on start to finish. And I had to stop when this one came on because it's like, wow, what is that? Mm Mm-hmm. It's from a suite that she wrote called Our Planet Earth, and it was written for children, um, both for children to be able to play and, you know, as a, a sort of a listening tool. Um, it's you know, full of messages about different animals and creatures and, and topics of environmental concern and just, you know, urging them to be aware, sort of like my project, be aware, be present. This is your world. It's your turn. Um, I think what's really interesting about that piece is how joyful it is. You know, it's it's beautiful. It's purely beautiful. It's funny. I I am as distraught about climate change as everyone else. And my husband works in um, ecology and evolution. And we talk a lot in my house about the, you know, all of the extremely urgent crises all around us. And then sometimes I'll be out. We, we were out driving last weekend. We're out here in California with the wildflowers blooming. And you know, the earth is so beautiful. There's this power of rejuvenation. And sometimes I just feel like a child when I see something like wildflowers in bloom or a rainbow. I can never believe that rainbows are real. And so I love this perspective of kind of open-heartedness just that really pure vision that children can have of the future. It's not polluted by cynicism or despair. I think all kids are really full of hope. Yeah, and they they manage to find the joy in everything. It's always a good reminder, I think. Lara, you close out this recording with a song about second chances, and it's one that most of us can probably sing along to. Tell me about this arrangement of Amazing Grace. Sean O'Pebolo, beautiful composer with a profound relationship to faith in his own life. Um, I've We've heard how many arrangements of Amazing Grace. I've never heard one quite like this. It's a really spare and haunting arrangement. And I think that Amazing Grace, you know, it has, well, it has the same meaning and also different meanings, you know, to, to all of us, depending on our perspective on faith and our perspective on history. But it's traveled across so many generations and places, and it just, it always has this message of redemption and the possibility of 
reimagination and reinvention. And I think that, again, you know, we're living in this time when we just, we need to maximize our ability to regroup, rebuild, um, reimagine our future. There's so much to fix. There's so much hurt in the world. And all of the pieces on this record, they're all reminding us, you know, that tomorrow is a new day and that means a new chance. That spring will come again and that means a new bloom. But that we have to be part of that. We have to be present and we have to be active and we have to use every one of those new days to do better and, you know, to just maximize, make the most of our time here and to care for each other in big ways and small. I couldn't think of a better way to illustrate that in music than with this song that's so familiar um, and always so beautiful. help you understand about yourself? Well, I have a really clear understanding of my job. You know, that, that I was saying a minute ago, we all have to do what we can. And I think that this is what I can do. You know, I can find this music and pull it together in this sort of envelope that expresses the beauty in the world, the beauty that exists even, you know, in the most troubled times. And I guess the human potential to make beauty in terrible times. That's something really meaningful. And not only find the music and play the music, but then also push myself to take the music where it's needed, you know, to work with the young people, to make sure that I'm always inviting the widest possible listenership into this music and really speaking to the power of human expression and this drive, this incredible drive, you know, whether it's Milad drawing the piano keys as a child or, you know, someone who is finding a piece of paper and writing music when there's, you know, something terrible happening outside your window, to, to use that as proof for all of us that our, our urge to... Mm. to be here and to be helpful and to be useful and to be good and to make beauty, we, we need to stay so connected to that and to realize what, what the outcome can be. Love at Last, a new recording filled with music of healing and hope from pianist Lara Downs. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Mocker. <laughs>